Well, happy Easter, everybody. You guys look fantastic. They really do. And we're having pictures out there taken, so if you want to have a family picture taken or just alone, whatever, uh, we'd love to do that for you. And you can come back next week or the week after and, and pick those up. Now, what's the big deal about Easter? I mean, in this period, this 24 hours, over a billion people will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is this so important? What's well, important? Because there was a man named Jesus, and he made some outrageous statements. Let's look at these, okay? This is what Jesus had to say. All right, Jesus' outrageous statements. I'm God. Now, Jesus Christ was just an ordinary-looking guy. <laughs> if someone came up to you and said, I'm God, you'd probably do a double-take, right? But that's what he said. I'm the Savior of the world. I am the Messiah. And the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah, but they didn't see what they wanted in Jesus. They wanted a political ruler who would free them. I'm the only way to heaven. Oh, wait a second. That's so exclusive, man. I tell you, what are you talking about? Jesus said, okay. I'm God come to earth in human form so you could know what God's like. Watch me. Listen to me. And you'll be watching God. I'm going to prove it by after they kill me. Three days later, I'll come back to life. So here's a man who made all of these outrageous statements. But you know what? He validated every one by being resurrected from the dead. Isn't that great? Let's praise the Lord. Yeah. Why don't you stand up and we'll do this together. Okay, you can just read it through with me. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is I'm the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is God who came to earth in the human form so we could know what God's like. Jesus Christ proved He was God because they did kill him, and three days later, he came back to life. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's pray the Lord. You know, a lot of guys can make crazy statements, and they die, and that's it. Well, he made some crazy statements to people in that, back in that day, and he rose again to prove them. The resurrection power of Christ went through the early church. It says in Acts 4.33, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Well, that's interesting. Testimony to the resurrection. Why did not say testimony to Jesus' death? Well, again, that was the thing that sealed the deal for everyone. Jesus Christ was the risen Savior. And they celebrated his resurrection. Romans 10.9. This is how you would come into the family of God. 
And that's our main concern for everyone. Are you part of the family of God? What do you need to do? You need to confess your sin. It means you need to come to God and you need to say, I don't have anything. All my good works are like filthy rags. I'm just coming to you because I need you. I need you. I need you to save me. And when you make that request, Jesus Christ makes you a child of God. He puts His Spirit within you. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Now, what's that about? Why is that important? Well, we just talked about that, right? That's what they're teaching. There's buzz about the resurrection. 500 people. A group of 500 people saw Him alive with the others. And you will be saved. So confess, believe, and salvation. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians 15-12 was a letter. In fact, all the books in the Bible were letters. They were written to someone. And so they were written to the church. They didn't have a big Bible in the New Testament. They just had these letters that they would read publicly. Again, the apostles were inspired to write these things down. So, if you ever heard somebody say, you know, I just wish I was a part of the early church. Those were the good old days. You check out Corinth, man. That was just a beast. I mean, they had all kinds of problems going on. All kinds of sexual immorality and other issues. I mean, they were really messed up. And Paul was writing to them to help them uh, with some of the issues they had. So he wrote this letter to them. And the situation was that the church in Corinth had people that came to it that were teaching another gospel. Okay? Not the one that the apostles taught. Uh, They had a philosophy of dualism. So you have the physical body and you have the spiritual body. Now, those who were dualists in fact, the leaders of the leaders of the country were Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad. You see, yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to remember that. They didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were dualistic in their philosophy. So what they do is they they say, "Okay, here's the spiritual life. This is your spirit. This is the most important thing." And the body, well, they say, that's evil. That's what gets us in all kind of troubles. We just want to get away from our bodies and just be spirits, one might say. So the way they interpreted what happened to Jesus was that Jesus, the man, was born, and then the Spirit of Jesus came into him and was in him his entire life until the crucifixion, And then the Spirit of Jesus came out of him. Now, the man Jesus, Jesus is gone when the resurrection takes place. The man Jesus (laughs) rose from the dead. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy over there rose from the dead. But again, we still don't believe in the resurrection. This is really confusing to people at Corinth. They didn't know what to think. You see... The problem was is that these false teachers were saying 
that Jesus Christ was not fully God and fully man when he was resurrected from the dead. That was a big difference. They said Jesus was just a spirit and left him during the crucifixion. But no, Jesus was the God-man, fully God, fully man. And he died. And he rose again. So Paul is trying to correct this error uh, that they're having. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So Paul's trying to explain to them why these people are wrong. I mean, if you don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, then Jesus Christ didn't rise. And they say, well, of course He rose. Yeah, He did. But these guys are not talking about the fully God, fully man, Jesus. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So He's really laying it on the line for them. He's saying, listen, if you don't believe fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, there's no purpose for us going on here, right? Our preaching is in vain. We shouldn't be doing that. You're telling lies. And your faith is in vain. Everything you've experienced as a follower of Jesus Christ was just something that just happened. had nothing to do with Jesus. A picture of the Grim Reaper here. It's interesting. I was reading an article about uh, New York Times, or New Yorker, the New Yorker, cartoon editor. And he was talking uh, with somebody being interviewed. Uh, in fact, it was 60 Minutes. And he said that over the, the whole time that the New Yorker has been published, there's been 80,000 cartoons. And out of those 80,000 cartoons, the Grim Reaper is the most popular. And actually, he, he appeared more than any other character. Now, I tried to find a very nice Grim Reaper, okay? <laughs> you see the pictures, right? All right? Yeah, coming at our death. Bob said, he told 60 Minutes, honestly, if it wasn't for death, I don't think there would be any humor. Grim Reaper is going to get the last laugh. Until then, it's our own. Well, that's true. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you become a disciple of Christ, you don't have to fear the Grim Reaper. You don't have to fear death. And that's one of our primary fears. Right? You don't have to go through that. But you see, if, if you're part of the family of God, yes, there might be some pain involved in your demise. But at the moment, at the moment you take your last breath, you'll be with Jesus. Wow. I, I watched my dad die several years ago and he had Alzheimer's. And I was there that night just watching over him, watching him breathe in and out and in and out. And, you know, he, he kind of went like this, like there was something there, something was out there, as you've heard before, right? And he was a Christ follower. And what happened when my dad took his last breath, his soul went to heaven. 
his soul went to heaven. Not his body. His body is still down here. He's buried out in Rockford. Now what's important about that? Well, this is one insight that a lot of people miss about Easter. Jesus Christ rose from the dead for many different reasons. To defeat sin, and defeat the devil, and give us eternal life. But he, he resurrected from the dead in order that we might be resurrected from the dead. Right? Yeah. It's going to happen, guys. Right? And what's going to happen is someday, who knows when it will be. All right? And you might have died before Jesus comes back. And you, your body, that is, will be in the casket or remains. The urn, that is. And when Jesus Christ returns, all of us who follow Christ in our lives, our bodies are going to be reunited with our soul. Say, oh, that's gross. <laughs> you say, hey, man, you know, I, you know, I, I, what if I was cremated? That would be a problem, right? Do you think God can't put you together if you've been cremated? Come on! Hey, listen, I, I threw I threw all the ashes on Lake Michigan. I mean, how is God going to collect them all? Oh, yeah, He can collect every single one of them. So why is this body so important? Well, it's important because God created it. He designed it in the womb. And what He wants to do is to resurrect, resurrect this body in order to put us into a new glorified body. Can you imagine when Jesus comes back and all these caskets are popping you know, in this graveyard and you know, ashes and skeletons, whatever is going up. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. That will be your resurrection and my resurrection if we have died. And that's why it's so important, because if Christ did not rise from the dead, we cannot be resurrected. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm not going to like heaven. Like heaven, I'm going to be in a choir, <laughs> you know, like eight hours a day. <laughs> I'm playing some harp. I hate the harp. I just hate it. No. This is not communicated often. But again, as we move into the kingdom of God, we are going to live on a new earth with a new heaven. And it's going to be a lot like this earth. People think, well, I'm going to be bored for eternity. Oh, no, you're not. You've got to realize that the God who created earth 1.0, that's a pretty good earth, right? If we... Life, if we didn't have sin as a part of it, right? So many things we enjoy. Well, he's coming out with earth 10.0. And that's where we're going to be. And we're going to have glorified bodies. Jesus had a glorified body. After he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, he could do some cool things. He could walk through doors. I'd like that. He could walk through a door. Yeah. Uh, they recognized him. So it will be recognizable. I don't know what age will be or anything of that nature. Uh, he could, he could eat. 
There's no marriage in heaven, but there is food. Okay, I just want to reassure all you guys. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be really good food because Jesus could eat. So we're just, you know, kind of drawing this from Jesus' uh, body, glorified body. And uh, the best thing is that this body is guaranteed forever. This is going to be the perfect body that you have always dreamed of. It's coming, man. You just have to wait. Nothing's going wrong with this body. I don't know how many years, good years we got of this body. Maybe 35 or 40, and then it's... But this body is never going... This body is going forward. (laughs) This body and this person's soul is going to enjoy the presence of Jesus Christ forever. And we'll be busy. We'll have jobs. And don't worry. It will be fascinating and more fascinating every day that goes by. As Jesus Christ said, He is making everything new. So that's the best way to tell a person about how to come to the family of God. You've got a fantastic eternity ahead of you. And you also have a life where you're a disciple, where you're learning and you're growing and you're seeking God out. So, we've got the last laugh on the Grim Reaper. First Corinthians 15, 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. So he says, hey, if Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, didn't die, we've been telling you lies. We've been telling you lies because we testified about God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. What? <laughs> Let's read that one more time. Because we testified about God that He raised Christ. That's what we told you. Whom He did not raise, if you're listening to false teachers, if it is true that the dead are not raised. If it's true, but it isn't true. First Corinthians 16, 17 through 18. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He's trying to help them to think this out and why it's wrong. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If Jesus Christ has come back, we're still sinners. We're still condemned. We still need to pay our penalty then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That's right, all of those bodies that are buried. They're just going to stay there. Jesus Christ is not coming back because the resurrection didn't happen. Interesting, Larry King, he's uh, fixated on death. Uh, I read this article that... Uh, it was last year he was interviewed by the New York Times, a lengthy interview. And the one thing that came out is that Larry King, you know, who we've all seen and enjoyed, uh, he's really fearful of death. I mean, that guy has interviewed some difficult people and gotten truth out of him. But here he's fearful of death. In fact, his seventh wife, Sean, his seventh wife 
said that she had to tell him to stop talking about death because it was freaking the kids out. Yeah, he really is just paranoid. We look at this. Uh, King takes four human growth hormone pills every day, and he claims he feels good. But in case of death, if it happens, right? <laughs> King has arranged to have his body frozen and then thawed out when researchers discover a cure for whatever killed him, the so-called cryogenics approach. Larry says, hey, I sent me later that all the people behind cryogenics are all nuts. But at least if he knows he will be frozen, he will die with a shred of hope. He goes on to say, other people have no hope, King said. People who can't afford to be frozen, right? That's the way he sees it. There's not much hope, but maybe there's a shred of hope there. Oh, I wish that Larry, I know, knows the gospel, would come to Jesus before he dies. and doesn't have to live in fear. And none of us have to live in fear of death. It might be a bumpy road getting there. But once we die, we'll be with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Christ didn't die or be resurrected. We just have no hope. Yeah. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry about this. Just have to get out of here. Where are you going, Pastor Dan? I just figure if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, I'm wasting my time here. Might as well be at home watching basketball or taking a nap. Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. That means I've been the fool. I've been lied to by my parents and my friends and my teachers. It's just a big spiritual scam. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, that means that this Bible that I've committed my life to, to study and apply to my life, is just... A bunch of fairy tales. It's useless. I might as well just throw it away. If Jesus Christ didn't die or rise from the dead. That means that I have, over 25 years of ministry, I have misled thousands of people with false hope. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, that means I'm just some type of accident that came out of a primordial soup. I'm here for nothing. There's no purpose. There's no God. There is no law, no justice. I might as well just do whatever I want. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, everything 
would be hopeless. Where are you going, Pastor Dan? i got to tell some people some good news. Oh, praise God! Praise God! He is risen! He is resurrected from the dead! Say it with me. He is risen. Then you say, He is risen indeed. He is risen! He is risen! Amen. We know it's true, friends. We know it's true. Andy Suarez uh, is a part of our church. Wave your hand back there, Andy. He's doing the sound for us today. And uh, he found Jesus. And Jesus made a disciple out of him. And we're going to see his story right now. I grew up in a family that was, they were very loving. They taught me all about doing the right thing and um, being kind to people and living my life that way. Uh, we went to church once or twice a year. It, it felt more like we were going because it was kind of a check-in, something that we just needed to be able to do. When I got into my early teens, my mom said that I should, uh, she wanted me to go to confirmation class, which it felt like the teachers were really kind of just going through bullet points, like you should know this, you should know this. Some of the things didn't make sense, and so I asked questions about them and ended up getting into trouble. I had to talk with the priest uh, two different times and He's saying, you know, stop asking so many questions. You're causing problems. That really kind of shaped the way that I felt about God and about Christianity early on in my life. Getting to my later teens, when I started working and stuff, I really kind of rejected God. Before I was even 20, I was making a really good salary. Um, I really felt like I was doing great, and I really attributed that all to myself. I really felt like it was like there really was no need for God. Um, people that needed God were people that kind of needed a crutch, and they were relying on God for things that they could be, you know, doing themselves. When I was 23, I met my wife-to-be, Rebecca, and going through our, our dating stages, came to know that we really had both felt the same way about things. She didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God. So when we got married, we made sure that we were going to use a judge, that there wasn't going to be a priest or a pastor. We made sure that the judge wasn't going to mention anything about religion or about God in the ceremony. A few months after we got married, we were talking about children and how we would maybe want to raise our children. I had mentioned that I'd like to bring the kids up in the church, and that was kind of surprising to her. I said, you know, it's really funny. All the Christians that I know, they, they really seem very happy. Some of them have no money, and some of them are out of jobs, and um, some of them, you know, have just really bad things happening in their life, and it really doesn't matter. Some of them have a great life, but everyone seems to overall seems to be pretty happy and content with their lives, and that that might have something to do with this Christianity thing. So I started learning about God. I started reading the Bible. Um, I started talking to all the Christians that I knew in my life and asking them lots of questions lots of answers and information. I remember going home at night and I would talk to my wife and I was so excited about the things that I was learning and telling her what um, I was finding out and what I was reading. And in 2005, uh, we both became Christians. And so I remember uh, praying to God and saying, hey, you know, I know that Jesus died for me and I know that um, I know that I've been a sinner and I really want to turn away from that and I want to change my life. And I remember asking for the Holy Spirit to, to fill me and to be to be with me. My family moved to Lake in the Hills, so I started my search for a church in this area. And so I went to a couple churches, and I remember Springbrook, going to Springbrook, and I just, I had a really good time. I felt welcomed at Springbrook. So the next week, uh, my wife and my children were also there, and uh, my wife enjoyed the service. I enjoyed the service. Uh, my kids really liked Kid City. Um, we've been at Springbrook now since November of uh, 2013. We've experienced so much growth as a family since attending Springbrook. Um, I'm involved in 
different men's ministries. I'm involved in the Alongsiders program now. Um, my wife is involved in women's ministries. We both are Awana leaders. Um, my girls are attending Awana. My wife and I's marriage has been better than ever. Um, we've really grown in our love uh, for each other, their love with God, and, and having that in common, having Christ in common, has really been a, a really big strength in our marriage. And it's really neat to, to talk with my girls and to have them be conversing back and forth about, about Jesus and about what he did and stories of the Bible and stuff. And um, There's just nothing more calming, I think, as a parent to know that your kids are rooted in Christ and that that's just something that's really important in their lives and that's directing the type of people that they want to be. We really enjoy calling Springbrook home. We really feel like we're with family. We've got a lot of growing to do and... God's just doing so many things in our lives, and we're just really excited to see where he's going to take us. How I trust you. Andy, it's been so wonderful to see the transformation in your life that you made that decision to follow Jesus and in your family. That can be your story. Are you confused? Are you just thinking, hey, I'm just getting by here, or it's all me? No, friends, you've got to study God's Word. There's power through these. All right, there we go. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul says. The God-man came back. It wasn't any spirit of Jesus that we're talking about, or a man named Jesus. He was raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits was when a farmer went out and got the most mature thing, ready and ripe, and took it, and he, then he brought it to God. Because you always give first to God. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So, Jesus Christ was first resurrected. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Now, what's that talking about? Well, for as in Adam, we all die, right? Adam and Eve made that very sinful decision, which again, we've inherited that sinful nature uh, all through the, the ages, and now we're stuck with the sinful nature, and we're you know, condemned. We don't have anything to give God, but he wants to save us. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So Christ is the first fruits. He's the first one to be raised from the dead. But someday, those who know Jesus here, you will be raised from the dead when Jesus Christ returns, or your body will. And you're going to get that new glorified body. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God. The Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Jesus said, remember when Lazarus died and they sent for Jesus and he, he took a long time to get there and actually died. He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Hey, Lazarus okay. I mean, he's... You know, he's up in heaven, a spirit. Uh, but I tell you what, just for you, I'm going to bring him back. All right? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Right there. That's what we've been talking about this morning. Though you die, you will live again. Because you'll be with Jesus Christ. 
one of the challenges that so many people have is they say, well, that's so simple. I mean, anybody could do that. Well, yeah. And some people don't like that. I want, I want to earn it in some way. Well, you got nothing to give. This past Good Friday, we had people put sins on this cross that Jesus Christ forgave on the cross. Remember, when Jesus Christ died, he died for all of your sins, you know, past and future. And it's just an incredible gift. He's made us righteous in God's eyes. God's eyes. So one of some of these that people put up, uh, the sins that God has forgiven, is selfishness and dishonesty, uh, talking about others, premarital sex, lying, pride, Stealing, turning away from you, not being here, there for my wife and kids as they grew up, cheating on my wife. Now, you're saying, are you telling me that Jesus Christ has already forgiven those sins and all I have to do is accept this gift of grace? Yes, that's what I'm saying. But you have to make the decision. Some of you have heard this message so many times and you just sit there and cry and say, I don't need that or I'll grab that later. Hey, you don't know if you'll be that later, there later, right? I mean, the day is the day that the Holy Spirit is moving you. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then, uh, let's go to Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, you're empty-handed. You have nothing to give to God. Now, this is a Christ follower prayer. And if the Holy Spirit's been moving within you this morning, if you've just sent something special, I mean, you've heard this before, but God is working in a new way in your life, and maybe you've been fighting them. You've been fighting them for years. Give up the fight. Acknowledge that He is the holy God and that you are His creation. And He wants to love you. Now this prayer includes a lot of the concepts that we talked about. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it. And if you feel so led, uh, you pray it along with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for those who made that first decision, just like Andy did, just like many of us did. It's going to transform their lives. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. I just want to thank you again for the incredible gift that you give us. Now, if you could take the green insert out that I told you about, and would like everybody to do this, okay? And just check one of those, and uh, we're going to have our ushers come up at this time, and they are going uh, to collect those. So what you want to do is just uh, pass it uh, to the right, 
and then the usher will take it. So you take it and pass it next person, next person, and then the usher will put it in the bag. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible Easter morning. We've been reminded of what you have done for us. Lord, I stand humbly before your throne. And my life has been transformed by you. And I've seen so many other lives that have been transformed. Lord, thank you that we're a disciple-making church. It's not just making that prayer or saying that prayer. It's growing as a disciple and experiencing the resurrection power of God today in the struggles that we have. The resurrection power is available to help us overcome the challenges that come our way. I just want to thank you for that tremendous gift. In Christ's name.